Here comes the biggest news ever. Trek Off the Motion Picture is available on Amazon Prime. That's right. The movie version of the podcast you're listening to. An actual movie. A motion picture on Amazon Prime. Available in the United States and the UK. Just go on Amazon and search for Trek Off. The word Trek Off. One word. And you can watch us. If you don't have Amazon Prime, you can you can like rent us or buy us. We're available on DVD on Amazon. But like streaming on Amazon Prime. And listen, please watch because it really helps us out. And share it. Give us good reviews. And share it on your Facebook page stuff, man. I'm just excited. Check out the motion picture. Warning, the following contains plot spoilers and naughty language. That means explicit content. And the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad. It's just a show. It's time for Trek Off. Set phasers to love. Welcome to Trek Off. My name is Justin. And my name is Alexia. And today, today um, uh, I want to, like, I, I'm going to put on Front Street, first of all, because everybody, like, clearly saw from, like, the title of the episode what, what we're doing. Um, but, uh, <laughs> so it's not a surprise to anyone at this moment. It but be. it's 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 been a little while since since we've had a guest on the show. Um, uh, I've been doing some moderating stuff, as you know, uh, Alexia, um, like what I like, like doing the, like the voiceover thing with the Jimmy Neutron and of course, Donald Duck and all that and stuff. But, um, but we haven't had a guest on in a little while and I was, uh, up late, um, a few nights ago, uh, I had had, so my kids have just had parties and gatherings end of the school year blah 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 and you ever have that one room in your house like when you when you know people are coming over like okay this is where people go and over here is where stuff goes (laughs) (laughs) and and that room was my office and so i had to stay up super late and my wife said justin clean your office and I was like, okay. And so I, so as I um, often do, is I, I go on Netflix to to put on like a documentary or something or a podcast or like something to clean my office. Well, I had heard um, from more than one person, um, from one more than one venue, uh, reading more than one of the thousand movie like blogs and stuff that I read about this documentary that sadly was not on Netflix. And I was like, ugh. Fine, um. fine. I gotta. Why do I gotta pay for stuff? Um, uh, but I did. I was like, yeah, it's you know, it's it's. If I watch it, if I watch it in like SD, it's like like I think it was like two or three bucks. And I was yeah. like, I'll do it. It's for to kill an hour and a half. You know why not? I'll put it on. Be fun, like background stuff. I put it on in the background. Didn't pay much attention for about the first ten minutes, and then for the next hour and twenty or so, I didn't get anything fucking done. <laughs> in my office and the 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 movie um was called uh the prequel strike back um uh, a fan's journey and uh it is essentially um a i don't want to say it necessarily defense of the prequels it doesn't demand that you like the prequels it doesn't like go hey the star wars prequels now that you've heard what we have to say they're totally good right no, yeah, I, like I didn't get the impression that that was the 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 intent, but it, it definitely it. You know what? When I watched it, it felt a little bit like you and I when we have a conversation and I'm yeah. waiting on the prequels. I'm like, no, but but consider this, and I was like, all right, I'll give it a I'll give it a go. Um, it's harder when I can't. You know, it's like having a conversation with you. I can just yell at you. Uh, yeah, so I'm sure you're yelling at the screen, and you're like, Bradley, listen. Uh, <laughs> like Bradley, no, you need to listen to me understand. right now. Okay, uh, this, this, this. But um, that having been said, it was there's a lot of yeah, it was really more interesting stuff. Not that you don't have interesting stuff to say, Justin, but like a deeper dive than I think I'd ever heard anyone try to defend the prequels before. Well, so we get to the I, I get to the end, and the movie talks about ring theory and stuff, and get to the end of the movie, and it, and it indicates that it's on its like last part of the movie, and that's when I look at the at the clock and I'm like, fuck. What did I do? Oopsie. What did I do? I have I have to make this I have to make this worthwhile somehow because this movie has sucked me into its vortex. I said, <laughs> I know. I'll jump on Twitter as I do sometimes. And I'll and I'll tweet the director. 
I'll tweet the director and, and I'll say, hey, you should come on our show because sometimes that works. Usually it goes out of the ether, but like, you know, we've got William Cat and, you know, come back in our archives, uh, uh, new listeners, um, and you'll hear us interview the greatest American hero and Clint Howard and all those good people that we've, we've done, James Horan and stuff. Um, uh, and I was like, well, you know, maybe, you know, I mean, what could it hurt, right? Yeah, in a week, in a week or two, this guy will get back to me. This guy was so approachable. Um, was like, yeah, sure, okay, I'm going to going out of town in a couple of days, and uh, sure, let's do it tomorrow. I was like, fuck, really? Okay, cool, let's All do right. it. Um, so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, I would like to introduce you to the bane of my wife's existence when she woke up the next day and found out I had done nothing that I was supposed to do. Um, um, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Bradley Weatherhall. Hi, Bradley. Hi, Bradley. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, Thank so, you for uh, coming on, sir. That was really amazing. Like, when he told me that you were like, yeah, totally. I was like, that's so awesome. That, <laughs> that like, never happened. Like, nobody is that way. <laughs> it's just amazing. There's usually a thing, like, 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 usually we have to, like, 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 her husband, who's our producer, has to get in touch, and that there's, there's a, we can do it from the hours of, of 4.30 to, to, like, and the bigger up they are, I think that, 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 you know, once we get them on the phone, they're fine, but, like, scheduling, like, Clint Howard was, was not always easy, but then we got him on the phone, and he was super cool. Um, anyway. Uh, my wife. I'm sure you did not mean to be the bane of his wife's. Ex- I'm sure once she yeah. listens to this, she's gonna be. She, you will be blameless, Bradley. Oh. She will. She will understand this totally. Justin's fault. And you not know yours. that my wife doesn't listen to this show. I know, right? <laughs> not a fan. Um. Uh. So. Uh. So. First of all. Um. Bradley, uh, tell us uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Where are you hailing from? What is your background in film and stuff? Give us give us a little uh, a, a little bio. What's uh, what made you decide to do this? Yeah, so uh, name is Bradley Weatherhold. I'm an Austin based filmmaker. Uh, I've lived in Texas a uh, large portion of my life. I lived in Pittsburgh when I was younger, um, but the only thing that really stuck with me from that is I'm a Steelers fan now, for better or worse. Um, well, Penguins just won Stanley Cup, so that's been nice. But, um, uh, but yeah, like I said, lived most of my life in Texas. Been making films, oh, for as long as I can remember. Uh, got introduced to them largely from uh, Lucas and Spielberg and and those types of filmmakers. Um, and so we've been doing uh, with my production company, Ministry of Cinema, a whole bunch of different video essays and and series and and. Uh, web shorts for quite some time and we knew we wanted to make the next big leap and uh, you know tackle a feature so we decided uh, we stumbled across this ring theory uh, a video uh, essay online and at first we thought you know this would make a great video essay you know this this the ideas that um, that this man Mike Climo was was suggesting in his article were um, they were primarily visual, so we thought, you know, in order to convey that, we needed someone, uh, or we needed something uh, to put the images to the words. And uh, slowly, after I reached out to Mike, uh, realized that this thing was kind of might become something bigger uh, than we originally thought. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, this was kind of it was more accidental than anything to the decision to turn it into a big feature. But once we knew um, what we knew about the prequels, uh, it, it was like I had gone through this journey, and I had figured that there were a lot of a lot of people um, who who might benefit from some of these new perspectives or um, different ways of of looking at that trilogy. All right. So tell me, what is the first, give, not, not the first day, but, but give me like a month and a year about when you decide to do this. Or, and if you're off by a month, it's fine, but you'll see where I'm going with it. Just give me a, a basic time when you, you decide, okay, I'm going to start this. Um, we decided April of 2015, I think. Uh, no, it was, yeah, it was April of 2015. We shot our, uh, promo video for uh, Indiegogo and then within a month we were fundraising we we launched on May the 4th uh, mm-hmm. and then like a month uh-huh. after that we started shooting so it was like uh, it was very fast <laughs> very okay, so, very fast so so in March of that year what was your relationship with the prequels uh, March of that year my relationship with the prequels was 
one like many. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I had you know so I grew up uh, actually the Star Wars I was exposed to was was the prequels um, first. Uh, I'm not sure if I saw the prequels first or the or, or the original trilogy, but I know that for sure when I was younger I watched the prequels way more than I watched the original trilogy, um, and it was just like those were kind of the Star Wars films that that. Um, I, I don't know if I resonated with, but they, they were just what Star Wars was just because of my exposure. And I remember uh, being like 10 or 12 or around that age. And there was a website uh, that was called Adam Films. Back in the day, they used to have a Star Wars annual Star Wars film festival or film competition online. And I remember uh, my first time to ever see the films that won the competition they all, every single one of them bashed the prequels. Just I mean, take every the piss single, out of them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah every oh, single no. one. And this was and this was my first exposure to the the negativity. So I I I didn't, you know, this was before kind of internet message boards had really picked up and stuff like that. So well, like so as, I a, had, as a kid out in the world too, like it wasn't like like none of your friends, like you didn't ever encounter negativity until this moment. Like you just kind of had the movies and everybody else that you talked to about them thought they were just as good. Is that yeah, um, so like, okay. I mean, when is a group of people going to go? Give us, gonna go give us get perspective. How how how, <laughs> how 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 tell you it's going to tear apart a movie? You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, when when are we going to like be around forty year olds who are really pissed off by it? Like, it's just so, you know, our circles didn't collide until the internet. How old were you when when episode one came out? Eight, eight, yeah, eight, eight or nine. Right. All right, so that's so so. That I mean, that really informs sort of sort of the difference. It so does, you're eight yeah. when that comes out, eight, eleven, and I guess fourteen. Like you yeah, aged with that. you aged with Anakin, more or less. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know, we most of the people in my generation, we I don't know, we didn't have that negative opinion. But when we were exposed to it, we we in a sense found the error of our ways and. Uh, and in many ways, the the millennials kind of became the, the strongest converts. Um, and so, before you know, I started making the movie, I was just pretty much like anyone else. I you know, I, I didn't necessarily hate them, and I would I didn't bash them, and I I had no personal animosity towards George Lucas or anything like that. But I definitely had disregarded the prequels, and I didn't think there was really anything of merit, yeah, to them at all. So, so you start this thing, and and you start doing the research. And you start getting into into the prequels. What would you say was was the first like the first inkling outside of the Ring Theory that because the because your your movie is very much about the Ring Theory, and we're going to talk about kind of exactly what your movie is. But your movie is about the Ring Theory, but it does become more about appreciating the prequels than being about the Ring Theory. When do you make that transition? Um, when do we make the transition from it being a ring theory documentary to a documentary about the prequels or when in the uh, about, about specifically being about, you know, the, the prequel strike back specifically about the prequels, you know, the, the finding the value in the prequels that weren't there before outside of the outside of their inclusion in the ring theory, you know, the, it, it becomes very much about appreciating the, the prequels. So I'm wondering how, how you went from the journey of the person who disregarded the prequels to kind of how you feel about them now. Yeah. Big, big help was that. And that was Mike Climo. Um, I remember when we were fundraising, uh, there was an AV club article uh, where the writer wrote that uh, I, I was the Anakin to his uh, Darth Sidious uh, in a sense that he kind of was this mentor who had taken me onto the dark side of uh this you know uh at the at the time of us fundraising these were kind of like conspiracy theorists like like not just the ring <laughs> theory which kind of has you know it, it does it, it does uh, it, it it is uh more uh interpretive than other things but anything anything positive about the prequels was very underground and kind of shunned and very conspiratorial um so at that time the narrative was he was this kind of guy who was taking me on to the dark side. Um, but yeah, I mean, there is some truth in that and that Mike was a huge uh, inspiration in this and that he, you know, when I reached out to, to him about the ring theory, he slowly, you know, 
through our conversations would mention other people. So like Paul McDonald or, or uh, Jonathan Young or, or, or Stephen Gallipo and these other people who, you know, I, I didn't, I either, I wasn't familiar with their work or uh, I wasn't familiar with them at all. And slowly through reading those people's work. Oh, and Lancashire, another big one. Uh, I, started to have this kind of paradigm shift uh, of reevaluating what Lucas was, was trying to do and what, and a large part, what Lucas actually did. Um, so it was definitely in those conversations with Mike, I'd say it, it was actually during fundraising that the, the, the piece was evolving. Uh, but before we went out to shoot the whole, all the ideas were, were set in stone and because it has a pretty tight structure and that there's there's no way we could have just uh accidentally came upon those things we had i had to write uh and outline all of those things and and get them in place so that we could kind of craft this argument that we ultimately were going to make but that that happened um i don't know over a course of like two months uh and right after it happened we went and shot um, so put me, give me a, so what we haven't explained uh, to the audience listening is that what, like, if you were to wrap up in a, in a, like a TV guide synopsis, what is, what is this movie that we're talking about? Uh, tell us, tell us, uh, what it is and, and what people can expect when they watch it. Uh, yeah, the film is about, um, uh, a be- bewildered fan, uh, who is played by me. It's, it's, you know, semi autobiographical, but largely, uh, fictitious too. Um, who uh, grew up liking the prequels and and uh, then you know uh, was exposed to the internet and figured out he was supposed to hate them, uh, but <laughs> it's his journey of learning more about the prequels, learning more about George Lucas, and having his own kind of hero's journey uh, and, and starting to appreciate and, and learn. Um, a little bit, uh, kind of like a maturity process. It's really like a, a Bildungsroman, and so it's it's about the prequels. It really is. It's about Star Wars, but really, it's a movie about filmmaking. It's a it's a movie about uh, it, when we were making it, we wanted it to be about film theory, and it just so happened to be about Star Wars. So we we happened to apply these these ideas in film theory to Star Wars, but it could have theoretically been applied to anything. Um, so it's 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 a largely academic approach. It's not you know you're, there's some fan service, but it's not like a people versus George Lucas type of picture in and its subject material. It's much more. Uh, high level i guess um it's more more cerebral in my opinion yeah cerebral is a good word yeah it's definitely uh that and that was our intention and uh it was uh, just kind of yeah i guess it's this quirky mix of fan fun and and like really uh cerebral yeah let me ask you a question bradley i was i was really surprised when i was watching it um like just as you know just and i we uh you know we make films you know independent films and like you know so we know so we you know people who do films i think you have sort of a different perspective when you watch other films um and something i found very intriguing as i was watching i don't know if I, was this something that you were like surprised to find because i was surprised to see it in your film were all of these sort of academics if you will um talking very high level about these films whereas like previously my experience of it had just been like okay how did i feel watching this this movie how did i feel about the storyline structure the shots that he used stuff like this and then your movie did a very good job of like sort of having these experts if you will and talking about parallels between uh silent filmmaking and these films and the way the music plays a role and 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 him saying the dialogue's not that important all this really interesting um like academic stuff that's like not two nerds fighting about some shit, right? Like when Justin and I get into a nerd fight about some shit, like, no, this is better. No, this is better. And this is why. And not necessarily finding these things that, that you're like, that I feel like I would find in a textbook about film theory. I was very surprised that there was like a whole, like there was a whole bunch of people that like this was legitimately something that they 
that they talked about with Star Wars. I, were you surprised to find these people or did you kind of always know that they were there? Yeah, I mean, a lot of us know about arguments against the prequels um, I, almost to a fault. I mean, you can't go on the internet without seeing something negative about the prequels. But at that time, there were really there was no exposure to uh, positive or uh, arguments for the prequels. And I remember whenever Mike was sharing me these articles that he had collected over time about uh, the prequels and and what George was trying to do with them. Uh, I remember just thinking, this is so bizarre. Like I had no idea that people were doing this. That that there were actually you know Harvard PhD professors that writing about the prequels. It, it just seemed so strange. Um, or That's you know. Surreal. <laughs> yeah, or New Yorker film critics saying that Attack of the Clones is the best in the the, the entire series. I or say Camille- good day, sir. No. <laughs> <laughs> or no, uh, I'm with you, but dude. <laughs> no, I'm just you know, saying. I, this, was, I, mean, I, was, I have to say, I was surprised to hear, and they had that there was actually really interesting and compelling things that these educated uh, people were saying, but. Um, I can't say that I like all of a sudden now like the prequels. I won't, I won't say that I left the film feeling that way, but I did. I I had a, I had a different lens to look at it through. I I mean, my problem was never with the story. I don't think Um, it was with the way he told it, but it's hard to, when some of the stuff that he put forth in the film, when you talk about his influences and what he was trying to do and whether or not you agree with it, which clearly I don't, right? Like I'm like, I really wasn't into Sidon films. I really don't think they're that great. Um, they're okay, and I appreciate their place in history. But like, I don't sit around watching silent movies all day because I think they're the bee's knees. Um, so maybe that's why some of that stuff doesn't resonate. Um, I think one of the things I found the most surprising, being an older person watching uh, your film, was hearing because I didn't know this. Uh, was hearing all of the negative stuff that came out when the originals came out. Because like you, I was a kid when that happened. So I didn't know critics were saying that Star Wars A New Hope was crappy and that the, the dialogue was bad or that the acting was wooden or any of that stuff. I had no idea that was going on. So it was sort of weird uh, hearing that and seeing those. Like, was it hard to find that information? Was that like readily available? Because it's the first time I've ever heard that. Yeah, one of the main ideas of the documentary is that uh, the critiques of the prequels that fans uh, offer against them uh, are the same exact critiques that you know uh, uh, film critics were giving to the original trilogy when they were released, um, and that's the you know the like you said the wooden dialogue, the bad acting, the cheesy plot, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but no, that wasn't hard to find at all. It, it, the, it's, it's when you look at the initial reviews of Star Wars, they uh, were largely negative. But as it was had, it, had its run, uh, you know, back then, you know, movies ran for a really long time. By the end of its run that year, uh, it, that's when the reviews started to change. And they started to become more positive. And, and once it was clear that it was this big social phenomenon, um, but still, a lot of the critics like Kale and, and, and uh, big names at the time still wouldn't get behind it. They just thought it was this kid's movie, which it is. It is a kid's movie, but it's, it's also something more than that. Um, but the most surprising to me was not that people uh, didn't like Star Wars when it first came out or critics didn't like Star Wars, because I could see that. Um, but was that, uh, you know, Empire was not this... Uh, universally acclaimed picture like we consider now i mean almost everyone thinks that you, uh, empire is the best star wars film it's my favorite the entire film of all time. yeah a lot of people feel that it's way. my favorite yeah film. i i think that's like 99 percent of the of the star wars community and probably the same with uh, with normal film goers um but at the time i mean they it it uh it, it didn't fare that well if you look at initial reviews uh it you know it actually has a rotten tomato uh it's a rotten tomato i mean it's not really? it's not really? fresh or anything like that yeah there was more negative reviews than positive for the uh interesting or no 
no, 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 not not more negative, but it's like fifty six percent or something like that. Um, so it's enough to qualify. Wow. As, uh, well, and here's an interesting thing because I because I remember when the when they were re released. Um, uh, because I was, they were released when I was 20 and, and I remember that star Wars came out and I watched box office stuff at that point and the internet was still starting to be a thing. So I could keep track of this and the box office for the, for the special edition of a new hope is, is really great. And the box office for Return of the Jedi is pretty good, but the box office for Empire is the lowest of the three, even in the re-release. Not in, not just that it was the lowest of all time beforehand, but even the re-release numbers, Empire made less than than A New Hope and Jedi, even after the acclaim happened. There is still, to some people, this, this must-see feeling about it. And I wonder if it's, you know film nerds like us that love it so much and other people who are like, Empire, it's, the, it's like the two towers, it's the middle one. <laughs> no, the middle. Uh, I don't know. I think I think most people uh, think it's the best now. Like I, I mean, I really thought you know that my narrative of it was that you know whenever when it came out, like the second uh, Luke heard that he was uh, Darth Vader's son, like the whole entire world just like shook. Yeah, and just everybody, lost their shit. Right, and like. everyone left the theaters and were like, "Holy cow, the world is different now!" Like, we're gonna get off the the uh, Gregorian calendar and and start dating things <laughs> from this date. And I, I mean, I thought it was just this big thing, and it wasn't. Well, it wasn't. I do, and a lot of people thought it was slow and dark and and didn't have so an ending. Because that's and there's I no ending. Them. I remember it being like this what like the world falling out from under you like you're like the stuff you're describing like I I assumed it was that way like it's so interesting that you have when you have an emotional memory of something versus like an actual uh the reality based situation cuz clearly you're speaking what's what was the reality but that's how how emotionally I felt so like it's interesting that in my brain that's how I remember it being um, and you so were it, you were like twelve at the time, right, or something like that. You said I have no idea. That, I but, eighty, but, so nineteen eighty is when Empire came out. But, but we we were living in the wake of that as we waited for eighty three to roll around. Because, because you know, on the playground there was talk: is it real? Is he lying? But I remember that my parents uh-huh. were like that. That movie did. That movie did. I think because it was not just "I am your father." They pulled the rug out. It's "I am your father," and fuck you. We're not telling you what happens. Oh and yeah, y- sure. And, and, and like all of a sudden, Luke's on the ship, and he's got a new hand, and the ships fly away, and the credits roll, and you're like, "What?" <laughs> well, here's here's my argument for why that probably works so well on you guys, and why it works so well on me when I was first exposed to it is because we were children, <laughs> and and most <laughs> adults that watched that film at that time were not blown away by it by any stretch, and that that a lot of people forget that Star Wars is. It's a kids movie, but I'm not. I don't say that as an insult. I, I, the opposite. I think it's an amazing children's movie, and I think it's a like all great kids movies. There's something for adults, and there's something for children. Um, but that that revelation and the the chills and the and, and, and all, the whole big experience that that children get when they watch Star Wars for the first time is a lot different than what an adult gets watching star wars for the first time yeah, uh, i think you're just more critical as an adult that, in um, general because <laughs> speaking of I, kids watching star wars for the first time um uh you alex and i fought forever about when you know because everybody wants to do their favorite star wars rankings and if you know what yours is bradley do you, are you have you ever like ranked them do you kind of know what your rate like if you were to go from from best to worst where you how would you rank the eight star wars films um like objectively or my personal favorite your personal yeah yeah um empire is probably my favorite uh well no not probably it's definitely my favorite um (laughs) and then this is blasphemous to people but i actually really like like phantom menace uh and (laughs) you're not saying i'm not saying objective you're saying personal no no, i know i'm just yeah I'm just weeping a little for you. <laughs> it's okay. No, no, go on. So, so okay. So, go we got, I don't mean to shame five, you. I'm five, sorry, sweetie. Five, five, one. Um, th- again, this is personal. Five, yeah. one, four, three, six, two. Six, two. Uh, there's also seven and, and 3.5. Oh, uh, yeah. I thought we were just talking Lucas's stuff. Yeah. Um, 
Ah. Uh, that's an interesting I statement. Know. I want to I want to unpack that a little. Um, that's, that's interesting yeah. that you. It's a real. That, like, yeah, I, you know what I think. Um, I think that that it, like based on your personal something, I think we find universally is that two is is everybody's least uh, a favorite, sort of generally speaking. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I'm not. I, you'd be surprised. I mean, like I said, the New Yorker. Uh, what's his name? I mean, he's the big film critic for the New Yorker. I mean, this the most pretentious magazine yeah. possible. He. I mean, his favorite <laughs> by far is. Uh, Attack of the Clones. P- Camille Paglia, the the feminist, you know, Lacanian theorist. Her uh, her favorite is is Return, but I think her second favorite is Attack of the Clones. Dude, I think I, that's really I, wild. It's a really it's different. If you like Attack of the Clones, then you're completely a hundred percent invested in the uh, Flash Gordon silent film. Yeah, campy. Star Wars, which is definitely part of George Lucas's original vision. Um, but if you don't, then you like some of you like, you know, some of the more tones in the original trilogy. Um, but I, you know, like the, the reason I don't like answering questions like that is because uh, it, it I, to me, the best way to look at Star Wars is holistically uh, and that most of the good uh, subtext that's to be gleaned from the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy is from looking at them together. And that if, if you just look at them individually, you're there. Like some of the films, yeah, I, I, yeah, I kind of feel that way. Uh, not, not, not that they're not enjoyable, not together. Mm -hmm. They are enjoyable. And some of the films alone work a lot better than others. Like, uh, a new hope works the best alone easily. I mean, it's, it's a film that had, doesn't need a big, like, you know, uh, prequels or it doesn't need any sequels, but yeah. the, uh, the, the real magic and the real uh, craft in star Wars. And what makes it truly unique is how all six films work together. Um, and, that's what that that to me is kind of what we focus on in the documentary um and not kind of the the individual you know breakdowns of each one well, you know it's that's right. it, you know what, something i want to ask i've been dying to ask you because i didn't see it referenced in the film at all i mean you guys did talk somewhat about like cg and us being kind of upset at all the you know, like the extreme use of cg in the prequels do you have an opinion and did any of the people you spoke to, did this come up and maybe just didn't make it in the film? Cause I know one of the things that Justin and I've talked about and other people who are fans of the originals, um, when they re-released them and he like added all of this CG shit to the originals that wasn't there. Um, like I want, like you can't even buy it. Like I can't go buy on Blu-ray right now, a version that doesn't have all that extraneous shit that I don't care for, that I don't want in that movie that I, in my opinion, doesn't belong there. Um, did you have an opinion on that? Did anybody you spoke to in the movie have an opinion on that? Did it even come up? Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think it's bullshit. I think that's, uh, uh, the, to me, the biggest problem with Lucas is that the, um, not that not that I necessarily think that that he owes his fan base anything because to me that's also kind of bullshit on him uh, but that he, he I think he owes the film community uh, the film archive I think he owes that the you know the original um, especially when you look at his early uh, remarks on um, He's a big silent film buff and black and white uh, film buff, and and his his some of the things he said about you know the the alterations of of uh, of pictures and the tintings and and not having those original ones in the archive and how how big of a shame that is, and then to not have his original film in an archive, it, it just seems a little hypocritical. Uh, not a little. It seems very hypocritical, and it's probably my big. If I have any complaint on George Lucas, this is probably my biggest one. And um, yet, and yet, I would, I would say that, and, and I kind of understand this. I've got this, this movie that I made in college. It's called Deliver Us from Evil, and it's terrible, Bradley. It's really, really awful. 
Um, uh, I have said bad ones, so don't feel bad. Um, um, and it was shot on like VHS camcorders, and and you know, I, I what I have is like a, a, a old generations of it. Like like if you blow it up to like the size of my monitor, you can't even make out faces and some shots. Blah blah blah. But um, but I loved making that film. The film was very very important to me, and I have made a special edition of that film where I've used some of the new technique that I have and I've colored some stuff and I even took some of the crappy like video toaster effects that I used and put in some better ones. And, you know, and I understand like wanting to, I thought I was making, you know, you know, fucking citizen Kane, uh, at the time. Um, but I, I wasn't. And so I, do you think Lucas has a bit of that of, of like there's this film he saw it one way in his head and it's not that way. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I definitely think there's part of part in that, but also he, he, the, he never, he was never happy with a new hope uh, from the first cut on. I mean, the first cut of a new hope was disastrous. He had to fire the editor, come in and redo all this stuff. Um, and then even all the way up to, to the final cut, he was never happy with that movie and it never was, it never really accomplished his original vision uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, so I, I get it in that he, you know, once now that he has the power to kind of change it, um, you know, it, it, I could see how that could be attractive, but it, to me, it's kind of like people who, you know, get like plastic surgery or something and, uh, they just kind of get take, carried away. And then before you know, it, you can't even recognize their face. That's kind of what happened with that original trilogy. Um, and well, so it's interesting. You would say that exact, that, that, that exact thing. Cause it's cause, and, and by the way, if you hear uh, Alex say, it might pop off and pop, pop back on. Uh, so if you guys out there hear a little ding, that's what that is. Um, uh, but you, you talk about like their face becomes unrecognizable. But there is a certain amount of plastic surgery that can be done to correct things here and there, um, and they can fix things here and there. And I would say I've I've read a number of articles about the CG changes that were made to the original trilogy that are actually really good. That really did help things. That 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 shots that were added that 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 enhanced it. Um, but the like it's when you I felt it's when you're like changing the tone of scenes the, the Greedo thing of course the addition of Jabba the addition of a of a, a like a, a rock song in the middle of, of Jabba's palace in, in Jedi that stuff nobody likes but you know ma- making it so the ships aren't see-through when they're flying around on Hoth you know I think that's that's a good thing yeah but that's little no, shit dude <laughs> yeah no I agree but I think uh no I totally agree and I think the Return of the Jedi is the one that suffers the most from it I mean it's almost the the special editions of Return of the Jedi are very bad, and that sucks because that's pretty much the only Return of the Jedi I've seen. But oh no, the uh, well, I've seen it, but like, I mean, that's pretty much the one I remember now. But the the I, I guess the thing to remember is that he, I, it's really easy to get carried away whenever you're when you start to get back into the edit, and so. I, I, the whole dance routine is so ridiculously egregious. I, there's just no, I can't rationalize my way out of that. But, and, I'm not, and I'm not talking about that stuff. For, I can't, can I, can I tell you what people really want, Bradley? Because they don't want the originals back. What they no, want, they don't. They what don't they want, want the is, no, what, what I want is, is, the, is, is a one that is basically like, they want the laser really remastered so that it looks really, really good and really, really crisp. And then all of the, the like, ships and the effects and the fights and all that shit looks really really good too but no yeah can i say this of all the things they wouldn't fix the mat boxes around the tie fighters they don't do that that's the one thing they leave they'll add fucking digital java and change them 20 times but to this day on the blu-ray there are mat boxes around the tie fighters when they're doing their little turns in space it pisses me the fuck off bradley and i just want you to know <laughs> i'm not okay with it um, i mean I do. You're preaching to the choir. <laughs> but what? But what everybody wants is they want they want the uh they, they want the the mid '90s Laserdisc version, which yeah. was THX 5.1 of the original cuts, digitally remastered, but not altered necessarily. Yes, that is what uh, we want. 
I want to unpack something that you said. You, I asked you to list your your favorite Star Wars films, and I was going to list you mine. Um, where uh, where my third favorite is Episode Three. Actually, I go, I go, I go uh, five, four, three, um, five, four, three, six. You know, six, one, two. If I leave out the new ones, and then seven is kind of you know in the upper middle. Rogue One's also kind of in the middle. Um, but you said, well, I, you, you be, said you, I, I gotta inject interject there because how you rank those movies is exactly how I would have objectively ranked the movies. And that's pretty much how everyone ranks the movies. Most people put Jedi but Jedi above Sith. Like most people, most do, people like, Jedi, I, don't, I don't know about that. Most uh, <laughs> I don't know about that now. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I'm serious. Like uh, Jedi I mean, I guess if you're a complete original trilogy person, then you're going to put Jedi above six. But I think the large uh, portion of yeah, I, definitely, uh, I put Jedi before six. Man, before yeah, six. I, I really only talk to Alexia and she tells me to suck a bag of dicks because I like Return of Revenge of the Sith. So it could be the you know what? It's, we do it's all those prequel memes. <laughs> we do agree that three of the prequels is, is the, the best as much as that's and the Jedi of the originals is the worst. So it's a matter of which of those, where those two are going to fall in comparison to one another. Um, but you said something interesting because you didn't list rogue one or force awakens. And, and you, you said, you said, Oh, I thought you were just talking about the Lucas, the, the Lucas ones. Um, is that how does his absence from, 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 like from the author from authorship does his absence of the authorship of those two films affect the way you feel about them oh it definitely affects the way i feel but the reason i said that is because uh i was just viewing it under the context of the documentary and it released or we were you know we were filming it before force awakens had come out uh so my kind of my whole paradigm has been just those six movies and uh it, it, again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying with viewing them holistically, and it's hard for me to really understand what The Force Awakens is without the other two in that trilogy and how they're all mm-hmm. going to work together. So for me to say, you know, how I how I liked it, uh, I, it's just kind of incomplete under you know this kind of paradigm I've been in for a really long time making this movie and stuff like that. Um, so no, I, I'm not I, like I didn't. I don't mean that to like oh you know poo poo on on the Force Awakens. Just more of uh, you know if if we're looking at the film and we're looking at Lucas and we're looking at the prequels, uh, the best way to tackle that, uh, I think right now with the films that we have is with their relationships with the original trilogy. Uh, now when we get all you know all nine, who knows? I mean there might be more you know, there might be more textured uh, interpretations, but, but for you, now, you might really make hard. the sequel strike back. It, hey, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got you know, it. would be interesting back. to see if it's even cause it, cause you're the, in your documentary, when you're talking about the ring, you know, sort of theory, it's, it speaks as though, you know, like that, that this was a plan that like Lucas had in his brain, like the pretty much the whole time, if you will. And so the fact that he's not helming any of this new stuff, Will it feed back into that sort of epic, poetic, like piece that he was writing? Like, I, I wonder if it will. Like, it's it's hard to say. <laughs> I think it, it it if if not purposefully, it will at least incidentally and large in part. Well, one subconsciously, just if you're dealing with myth, there's going to be a lot of ov- overlap just in the very nature of making a movie that's mythological. Um, but then also just in the, the practical sense, I mean, the force awakens, and this isn't necessarily, uh, it's, it's going to sound like a critique, but, uh, I mean, the force awakens is very derivative. I mean, it's super derivative, uh, and it, it, it is very much like, uh, a new hope and that, you know, that's good and that it can, you know, build more of that the networks and parallels and, and, and give us that kind of text. Um, but yeah, does that make sense in the ring? In in, in I, mean, I don't know if it would still be called the, you know, ring theory at that point. I, 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 maybe it would, but does it not make sense? Like if, when we talk about it, like in the, in your movie, you talk about how it sort of starts with this hero's journey with, with him. And then it goes back 
to the beginning. And then now we're going back to the beginning again, right? <laughs> so it's all this big circle. That's kind of the idea. Like, does it make sense that this, that the Force Awakens should be uh, essentially, you know, what it is, which is a new hope, like on steroids? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it doesn't really make sense under that. I don't think it really makes sense under the, the ring cycle paradigm. Um, but there could be other, you know, uh, mythological paradigms to view the whole nine episodes when they come out. And then eventually we'll have to restructure that for 12 episodes and so on and so on. But I think it's, there's a convenient breaking point with the Lucas pictures, uh, at least convenient. And when you look at it from the ring theory, or when you look at it from uh, some of the ideas we tackle in the film, uh, because they have that unifying uh, they, they are tied together in a way that uh, will be more intricately linked than the other films, not only because Lucas in, was involved, but just from the very subject matter. I mean, they're all about Anakin, whereas these, the next films won't necessarily be about that. They might be indirectly. And in, well, so this movie, um, uh, Alex, you would say it did not change, change your opinion on the, on, on the prequels as to whether or not you liked them. Correct. Yeah, no, I didn't. I, I didn't finish it, and now all of a sudden, I love the prequels. But I had uh, an appreciation for them that I did not have at all before. Is, like, so but, I went from a place of like, "Fuck the prequels, they're crap for the most part, and I can't stand them, and I have no reason to watch them." To now, I'm I'm kind of I, I'm I'm considering watching them again to see the parallels that are talked about in the film, to see the uh, the the ring theory, and to, to kind of think about all that stuff that I've just been. Uh, presented with all that new knowledge and and view it w- through that lens and see how I feel. Bradley, is your is your hope that people change their mind on it, or is or is Alexia giving you sort of the the reaction you you would hope and and expect? Yeah, so her her reaction's a great one because that's that's all we can expect, right? I mean, we our audience really is the people who hate these films or people who really don't like the films or, or people who think George Lucas is an idiot or a hack or something like that. And our, our, you know, our objective wasn't to uh, try to, to tell them that they are wrong or that they're stupid or engage in some kind of mean argument or anything like that, but was to provide material that they might not be exposed to and then let them decide, you know, hey, if if uh, if this is something that they like or not, the the way that I would describe it is like you, you know, say I was making a documentary about fish, you know, I could I could talk about how it's got all these uh, like great uh, omega three, omega six, whatever. It's it's super healthy for you. It's got protein. Um, you know, I could go on about an hour and a half of about that but that's not going to make you like the taste of fish Um, (laughs) and and so maybe that's the way with these prequels is that you know i you know i can't make you like the taste of fish but maybe you can come away and say wow i never knew fish had so much protein or wow i never knew um you know the prequels you know actually had this kind of intelligent subtext going on um so well, I mean, you, know, you, you, and, and, you redeem Jar Jar Binks in a, in a big way. And I, I don't li- I'm not going to walk away liking Jar Jar, but seeing the shot for shot recreation of Buster Keaton films, seeing that he yeah, walks like exactly like very Goofy, yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, um, and before we get you off the air, I have to tell you the reason that I was like, we need to talk to this guy. The music. Oh, um, yeah. Is is my favorite section of, of the film because I mine too because it was um, fascinating to me the, in a way that I didn't. The thing that it. got me, um, spoiler alert for the the prequel strike back, um, uh, you play the end notes of of the Phantom Menace, which is which is the big celebration at the end where it goes da 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 they play those they the, those notes and you go but if you play those notes in a minor key it's da 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 which is the emperor's theme from return of the jedi um and i just went holy shit like years it never occurred to me that i mean how did you discover that uh, well, it wasn't a personal discovery on my part. I mean, uh, Doug Adams was a huge, huge uh, 
resource in that. He he actually worked with Howard Shore on uh, the Lord of the Rings, and he also has a lot of experience with John Williams as well. Um, so he, I mean, he was invaluable. I mean, his section is most people say it's their favorite part. And if you if you are you know on the fence on whether or not you want to watch the movie, we actually have that clip online on our YouTube channel. You know, you you say, hey, this is interesting. It might you know, make the $3 rental fee or whatever it is a little bit easier to swallow uh, because there's a, there really is a lot of stuff that I think that people, um, at the, I, I think that if they are exposed to it in the way that I was, um, it, it really is a great experience because you just, it's like, you know, I mean, it's the, all of these ideas that you really, uh, if you're anything like me, you've, you've never seen or you've never heard in relation to the prequels. And it's just, um, again, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to change your opinion or, or, or necessarily make you re-rank the films or anything like that, but it, it might give you more perspective. And, uh, even if your takeaway is I, you know, I still don't like the prequels, you might actually end up liking the original trilogy more for understanding the prequels better. Uh, where can people, where could, and where should people uh, go to watch, to watch your film? I obviously said Amazon uh, instant video, you can get it. Um, uh, I'm going to go back and buy myself a copy, but where else can people, can people get it? And what is the way they can get it? That would be, you know, of the most profit to you and your company. Um, yeah. So the best place to really check out the film, uh, is either through VHX. That's our main hub and we actually get the most royalties from it. <laughs> so, uh, uh I, will, I would self- selfishly ask you to go there, but Hey, if you, if you have Amazon's your favorite or a lot of people, you know, um, YouTube also has it. Um, I, myself, most of, most of the sales come from Amazon. Most people do pick it up from Amazon, but it's up to you. Well, Bradley, I want to thank you for coming on our, our, uh, ridiculous show. So um, very uh, much. It's hopefully, ho- hopefully you guys listening, uh, have no idea of the, 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 the technical maelstrom that we had as we were recording. Um, and how patient and amazing of a person that Bradley is. <laughs> um, I, I, I would hope that we come back to you. Uh, I, I would love uh, for you to maybe come back uh, in January and just like, like help us, help us break down your thoughts on, on uh, the last Je- last Jedi and what it's going to make you like to get the force awakens. I would love to have you back around then if you're interested. Yeah, be happy to come on. Just you know, reach out to me, and we'll see where we are in January. I absolutely will, Bradley. Bradley Weatherhill, thank you so much for coming on uh, um, and uh, and talking about the prequel Strike Back, a fan's journey available on uh, on Amazon and iTunes. VHX is the best way to get it. Um, uh, last thing, where can uh, where can people find you online? Where should, where should they look for you? Yeah, so you can check me out on Twitter. It's Brad Weatherholt. Um, also Facebook, if you want. Uh, and then mostly our, our YouTube channel, Ministry of Cinema, is where we're coming out with a lot of new, new content, including video essays and, and also some things on Star Wars as well. Excellent. Go subscribe to Ministry of Cinema. That's so cool. I like the name. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Bradley, thanks for being on our Crazy Trek Off show. Yay! Thank you, Bradley. Um, uh, um, we always allow our guests to, uh, t- to steal Alexia's... Um, uh, Alexia's catchphrase uh, right before we hang up. Um, I always say Trek off and they always say, Alexia, please tell him. Uh, they say Trek off, bitches. <laughs> so can you give us a big, hearty Trek off, bitches for our fans? Trek off, bitches. Hey, you know what makes us different than all those other podcasts you listen to? We have a movie. There's a movie of this podcast on Amazon Prime right now. Just go right now on Amazon Prime and go look. Check it out. Just search for it. There you go. There it is. Trek off. One word. Just search for Trek off on Amazon Prime or Amazon Instant Video if you want to rent it. If you don't have Amazon Prime as a subscription or if you want to buy the DVD, it's there on Amazon. But seriously, this podcast, you got all the way to the end. Now go watch us and give us reviews and tell the world, man, a podcast got me made into a movie, man. How cool is that? Go look it up and share it. Love you guys.